Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Love my dive bombs. You might as well go get the best silhouette that's on the market today. Those days that you got to walk your shit into to the spread, you can't beat silhouettes. They stack up like a dream. They pack up nice. The bags are awesome. The paint scheme is unmatched. Get the ones with the flocked heads. You're in the money then. So go to divebombindustries.com today. The season's here. You need silhouettes. You might as well have the best that are on the market today. Go to divebombindustries.com. Get what you need. Also, this show is brought to you by Sea Light LEDs. Get those lights on your trailers. Nothing worse than pulling up to a field and fumbling around in the dark. Go to sealightleds.com today. Get your lights for your trailers. That way, you can see what the hell you're doing. Nothing worse than setting out a spread thinking that you got a masterpiece and then the sun comes up and you think, who in the hell put out this spread? So go get those lights on your trailers now. It'll help. That's sealightleds.com. And we would like to thank our newest sponsor, Boss Shot Shells. They are changing the shotgun shell landscape forever. No more big box stores. Boss Shot Shells sells directly to you. You order from them, it goes right to your door. No more middleman. They're changing the game, and they're delivering a premium load. They really do. They blow the best load. Best load in the business. So go to BossShotShells.com today. Get what you need for the season that's here. Or if you're wanting something custom, call them up. They'll make you whatever you want within reason. So BossShotShells.com. Get your shotgun shells for this season and just crush those birds. No more uh, wounding birds or having them fly off with crippled wings. Boss Shot Shell puts them down and puts them down good. So, go to BossShotShells.com now. The Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by 737 Duck Calls. Folks, the season's right around the corner. If you're in the market for a new call, then look no further. Go down to www.737DuckCalls.com and use promo code HONKER at checkout for 15% off your order. What more could you ask for? Couldn't be simpler. Log on your computer. Go to their website, make your order, and there it is, right to your door in a few days. It's the best. I love it. www.737duckcalls.com, promo code HONKER. Go order something. The Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, home of the Big Honker Lodge. We are located in Knox City, Texas. That's www.stanfieldhunting.com. Been in business for over 25 years. We put them in your face. Ducks, geese, dove. Whatever you want to shoot, give us a call at stanfieldhunting.com, 940-658-3172. And we have some November goose specials. I got some October pheasant and dove special. Give me a holler at stanfieldhunting.com. I'd like to thank Big Honker Podcast, William Chris Wines. That's William Chris Vineyards out of High Texas. Folks, if you need that wine for that special occasion, it's wedding season coming along. Zach's getting married first weekend in November. He needs to go to William Chris Wines and William Chris Vineyards and williamchriswines.com. You can get a case of wine sent to you for $1. Go to promo code HONKER, H-O-N-K-E-R, coupon code for WilliamChrisVineyards.com. You can find William Chris Vineyards or William Chris Wines at Bucky's, General Foods, and most other high-end retail outlets for wine. And that's WilliamChrisVineyards.com, home of Sway Rosé. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Garrison Brothers Bourbon. Yes, folks, Texas bourbon, the best bourbon in the United States, made in Texas, Right there in High Texas. Check out GarrisonBrothers.com and go get you a, a bottle of the best bourbon you can have. Folks, we're not talking about $20 bourbon. We're talking about boutique bourbon, the best bourbon there is in the country. Right here made in Texas, 
for everyone in America. Not everybody's lucky enough to be born in Texas or live in Texas, but you can all enjoy a nice glass of Texas bourbon. That's GarrisonBrothers.com, and let them know the people from the Big Honker Podcast sent you. All right, this episode of the podcast, we got an awesome one. We've got one of the owners, Brandon Sarecki of Boss Shot Shells Ammunition. He comes on, the man shot out of a cannon. He's changing the game, changing the way that you buy shotgun shells. He's also delivering a premium quality shotgun shell at a rock bottom price. For a boutique shotgun shell, look no further than Boss Shot Shells. So anyway, he comes on. We talk about how he got his start in this in the in the ammunition game, and kind of where the where he sees the company going. So this was a great one. I was very very excited uh, to that he agreed to come onto the podcast because they are a brand new company and they are taking the world by storm. So I'm going to turn it over to him. Here he is, Brandon Sarecki. Three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. I am Jeff Stanfield. And I am Andy Shaver. And on the phones, we've got a man that is taking the shotgun shell industry by storm, Brandon Sarecki of Boss Shot Shell Ammunition. Brandon, how are you, sir? Hey, we're hanging in. How about you, fellas? Oh, it is a lovely day in Texas. More rain's on the way. Cold weather yeah. finally coming up. So we're, we're well, pumped we- about that. We got the cool breeze coming from the north today. Ooh. It's in the the high 40s. Duck opens tomorrow, and we're going to have at it. So we'll see what we can do. do you, uh, duck opens tomorrow up there. You got a good It'll, spot. You got a good spot picked out. Oh yeah, we, yeah. Not like what you guys get down south, but for what we have in Michigan, it's pretty good. What, what are you shooting? Puddles or divers? No, we're it's puddlers now. The, the divers are, aren't moving in yet. They're further up north in northern part of Michigan, so they're making their way down. Till we get any more north wind, they'll push them right down. Do, do you do the diver hunting out in the layout boats and the skiffs and stuff? I have not had the opportunity to do that. That's more popular on the other side of the state, but I got a buddy on Lake St. Clair that's been running our stuff in the early goose season. He's going to put it on them for divers this year, and uh, we're going to do some layout shooting out there with him. That's going to be a good time. That's some hardcore stuff. That looks like it would be fun and miserable at the same time. you, you, you got to have balls like watermelons to do that kind of <laughs> shit, if you ask me. I mean, I'm telling you, you laying down that damn boat, and you're underneath the water line. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I got the stomach for it, but we're going to give it a shot and see what we can do. Fuck a bunch of that. This West Texas boy don't want to be underwater when it's 23 <laughs> degrees or 15 or whatever the hell no. Right, if, right. If it gets above my waist, I get a little bit uneasy. Yeah, we're that, that's what we got my guy going out right now. We got one of those little mud motors on a 12-foot boat. A guy up in Wisconsin said, or Minnesota, I'm sorry, he said, hey, you know, uh, we met it through a mutual friend. I said, hey, man, those mud motors you got are pretty damn slick. He goes, with them shotgun shells, you got a pretty damn slick themselves. <laughs> I said, let's trade. So go. we got a brand new little mud motor going on, PPI mud motor on a on a little uh, 12-foot boat. And we're going to drag it out 
and see what we can do tomorrow. But we're scouting this, this hole one more time because the water's been real high with the rain we got. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we're not going to be in too deep because, uh, you know, anything over my waist, I'm, I get nervous when I start taking steps out that shit, you know. Mm-hmm. The, 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 what, what The birds y'all are hunting up there, what is a big feed for y'all when y'all are hunting ducks or geese? 10,000? 5,000? Big, big feed. How many? I mean, what are the bird populations? In southwest Michigan where we're at here? Uh-huh. If you get a field with 100 in it, you're lucky. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, we don't, I mean, the, the migration, we will get, we'll get divers that come up and down Lake Michigan because we're right on the shoreline. And there is some spots, state land, that you can you can shoot divers on. Um, but a lot of the geese, they kind of move through more towards the middle of the state. I like to say, like, I-69 corridor that splits Michigan north-south, you know, it runs north-south and, and splits the state half east-west. More over that way, you get some you get some big time migration birds that come through there, and that's that's big time stuff. But we don't really we shoot a lot of locals and take what we can get. But that's kind of what got us in this whole shotgun shell thing that we don't get a lot of birds to shoot, so we were paying to go on guided hunts and didn't really know a whole lot of people in the industry, and we just call up different different outfitters and go out on snow goose hunts with them because you know you want to you want to pull the trigger a few times to go shoot snow geese you know in the spring, right? So. That's that's what we like doing, you know. So, so what you guys have just exploded onto this on onto the scene. I mean, you you've come on with a freaking bang, and that's awesome. What what is resonating with people? Is it the direct to the consumer, or you know, you're not going to be in the big box stores, or is it social media? What what are you guys you know, doing? If you ask me, and I I think different than a lot of people. I'm kind of fucked up in my train of thought, and I call it, you know being left-handed and my left-handedness kind of kind of makes me think things is a little different than most people but what what drove me nuts was whenever i'd go to the big box stores they would always have whatever i didn't want and i kind of got fed up with you know always looking at this brand this brand this brand okay well this has the right shot size but i don't want to shoot that payload or this or that or the other thing and then you you start getting in with some of these gimmicks you know, all the different size pellets and different wads and all this crap, and you start throwing it at cardboard, and it doesn't look very good. And, you know, unfortunately, I was one of the guys that was wasting a lot of time hunting, pulling the trigger, not killing as much as I thought I should be. Mm-hmm. So then you go backwards and you throw it at cardboard, you're like, oh, no wonder. Right. So we kind of came up with our own little little model that I was loading my own stuff by hand. And... Uh, we were out with the guys from Northern Skies, Matt Showers operation, mm-hmm. and we were shooting snow geese. And at that time, I was loading these two and three quarter inch little rockets, two and three quarter inch payload, moving about fourteen fifty. It was uh, a ten gram per cc, you know, so like like uh, oh, almost like lead. Or it's called ITX ten. And I was putting them in with a wad that I had to shim it with felt spacers on the bottom to get the payload right, and then I put a cardboard thing on top, you know, cardboard overshot card, crimp this thing shut. And every time I pull the trigger, you drop down, you know, snow goose, and then you'd be littering the sky with all this cardboard and felt. <laughs> and the, the outfitters were saying, what in the hell are you shooting? So these things were loaded in clear plastic holes so you could see everything. Mm-hmm. I tossed them down to them, and they said, I'm not shooting that shit. Them are hand loads. I said, well, that's fine. I said, just try a couple. So I, I loaded a guy's gun up with one, and he just couldn't believe what he got. Okay, so that's the end of our three-day hunt. He's like, hey, do you have any more of that ammo? I said, shit, take take everything I got. I said, I'm not going to shoot another damn thing until September, and it's April, mm-hmm. so have at her. So fast forward a year, go down and do it again. This time, the same guy says, hey, man, 
you bring any ammo for me? I said, absolutely. So he shot it, had a great old time with it. And then I started thinking, because you know, I'm a businessman by trade, and I'm always looking at a way of minimizing my tax exposure. And I thought, if I can come up with a business to at least break even and I can offset some of my hunting expenses and come up with a, a product, I'd love to be able to get into this industry. So I talked to Shower and I said, hey, man, if I were to come up with a, a little business and you know, make these shotgun shells, I see you've got a ton of people on social media. Would you help promote the product? And he said, absolutely. And I was kind of surprised because here's you know nobody from nowhere in Michigan. We don't shoot a lot of geese. We don't shoot a lot of ducks because we don't have any. And I just got this idea, and he's like, man, this is cool shit. So uh, we ended up talking and put a you know, deal together for him to try our shells out. And word of mouth led me to a guy named Lee Chose, and the rest is history. What were you doing before this? You said you were business-minded. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a third-generation metal finisher, so I'm in the the electroplating and anodizing and metal finishing business. My grandfather started a company that my dad took over. My dad ran that business. He started his own business. And I've been you know, involved in the, the family business here in Bridgen, Michigan for all my life. I did co-op through high school and went to college like three or four days a week, an hour and a half away. And I'd work here you know, two days a week, Saturdays if the shop was running. And it's been my lifelong dream to work with, with my dad in this company. And you know, he passed away nine years ago when I was 27. So after college, I had a couple of years to work with him every day. And, you know, he passed away. My mom took over ownership of the company. And a couple of years from that, I bought her out. And I've just been getting in and, in and out of different projects from, from that time forward. So kind of kind of in the blood. You know, the neat thing is, like, my dad taught me how to reload shotgun shells when I was about 11 years old. Uh-huh. And he was a, a hardworking dude and didn't have a whole heck of a lot of time uh, you know, on at the end of the day, because he was working long hours and that whole thing. And, you know, I always thought, man, if I could sit down at this bench and load a bunch of these shotgun shells, my dad's going to take me and do some traction. <laughs> so I would do that. And uh, about once or twice every winter, we'd come out here to the shop and, you know, fire off everything that I loaded and just had a good old time with it. You know, so like when I started this company, the first shells that I was making was on that same press that was, you know, 40 some years old, sitting in the same chair that he had that he used to sit in on that same very bench. So one way or another, as we've moved forward and evolved, you know, that, that bench, that chair, and that loader is still going to be part of the scene some kind of way, if, even if it's just doing nothing, collect dust, but i got to have that there, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. Now, are you a Lions fan up there? Well, you guys are from down south, so I can tell you I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Yes, sir. I don't sir. shit about the Lions at all. Yes, sir. I am also a Green Bay Packers fan. We, we were in Lambeau two weeks ago. We, we went over. I'm a pilot for fun, so we flew over overnighted with uh, my niece and nephew and sister-in-law and her husband and went to go to go see the Packers put an ass whooping on the Bills and had a good old time with that. So, yeah, Packers, big time. Thank goodness. A- Andy, mm-hmm. I think Andy's got Aaron Rodgers' head tattooed on his dick or his ass. We can't figure out which one it is because he's in love. Well, that's all right. That's all right, man. He's the man. I've got him on my fantasy team. He got. I, I tell you what, I about shit a purple Twinkie whenever he got hurt uh, in the first game. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes being a Packers and Aaron Rodgers fan. I mean, the guy gets hurt more often than he should because of I don't know. I think the offensive line at times is a little bit weak, but I don't I don't know. It's terrible. I don't really know if that's it. They need to give him some help. You know? Don't don't you think that Green Bay? I'm not a Packer fan. I like the Packers. I have, matter of fact, me and Michelle may go to the game Monday night against the Niners. Um, 
But my my question is, or not question, my deal is, don't you think they need to? They don't ever surround him with any weapons. Other teams give their quarterbacks weapons. He has nobody. He they, they either homegrown their weapons and then they get rid of them and then they start over again with rookies. Yeah. Well, that that was the old mentality. You know, we're going to grow it from nothing organic. We don't want to, you know, outside influence of what players have been taught by other professional NFL coaches. We're going to, tre- you know, we're going to teach them our kind of ball, and. <clears throat> That worked a couple times. I mean, they got one Super Bowl championship out of it. But with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, they should be going deep in the playoffs every single year. Every year, and would, and, so, and but, some of the I think sometimes Mike McCarthy is one of his own worst enemies. And we thought, well, you know, getting rid of Capers is going to be the best damn thing for the team. So they get a, we get a defense now, right? Yep. And it used to be the Packers were the absolute worst third quarter team in the NFL. Terrible. They come out, play decent first half ball, and then fall on their dick the third quarter and then struggle through the fourth and win more games than they lost. But now it's like, fuck, they dig themselves in such a hole the first half of the game, and then, you know, Rodgers comes out, plays lights out for two quarters, and here we are struggling. Can't stand that shit. Yeah, it's so frustrating to watch because they do, they, they've they started just terrible every freaking game. They go into mm-hmm. halftime, they got a deficit, and they're always playing from behind. It's been It's been very frustrating to yep. watch. If I were Aaron Rodgers, I would have that, and that conversation may happen, but I would tell Mike McCarthy, you can tell me whatever play you want to call, but I'm going to run this fucking offense how I know how to win games. Exactly. You know, and all that shit, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard somewhere that NFL guys, they, all these teams at the first 10 plays, they know what exactly what 10 plays they're going to run, you know, the first, first possession of the game come hell or high water. I'm like, right. that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. You know, game plan, kiss my ass, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I would invest in an offensive line. If I was going to pay a quarterback $33 million, I'd say, listen, bud, we're going to pay you $22 million. We're going to take $11 million and buy you a left tackle. Your health yep. is important. If you want to play forever, it's what you need to do. Well, you know, as a Packers fan, like, we saw him win the the, uh, the Super Bowl. What was that? That was 2009. Okay. And there's only two people, I think, left on that team from the Super Bowl. Yep. That's Mason Crosby and Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Okay. So this whole time as a Packers fan, I mean, we're it's like Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, they get some decent players. Okay, yeah. And fast forward eight, nine years goes by. Aaron Rodgers is, I'm not going to say in the sunset of his career, but he's not getting any younger. And I'm thinking, it's been a fucking struggle since they, they won the Super Bowl. What in the hell am I going to do when Aaron Rodgers retires? You're talking as a fan? Yeah. I've had the same thought. It's it it causes all kinds of grief and anxiety for me, man. I can't I can't stand to think of it. You know, like just last year when he broke his damn collarbone. Couldn't right? watch him. Nope. It it was painful to watch. You got it you gotta gut it gut it out and watch the games. I try to tell my wife, I'm like, let's turn this shit off. I got something else to do on my Sunday and she's like, Nope, we gotta watch the game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it, it it it's painful, man. Yeah. It really is, and and now this uh, rough. We got we finally get a defense that's aggressive, and just this fucking roughing the passer rule is. Well, what do you, what do you that they kind of lighten up on that the last week or week and a half? I think they haven't been calling it as tight. Yeah, but, but what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the whole roughing the passer thing? Uh, um, I'm split because I don't want to watch uh, Deshaun Kaiser play play, you know, eleven games like Brett Hundley had to do last year. So. I'm all for keeping the quarterbacks healthy because that's you know that's why I tune in. I don't want to see two backups going at it. 
Right. But the fucking pa- – they should not have lost the game to the Minnesota Vikings. That it, it was over. It was a clean hit. And it was an interception at the end of the game. Yep. But yep. It, it, I tell you what, tough. When, I, when I go to Lambeau and watch those games and the defense is out, <clears throat> the, I watch a lot of the players. But the main guy that I watch is Clay Matthews. Oh, of course. And, and, and to watch the, the fire and energy that that dude plays with is unreal. And he goes 100% every single play. Whether the ball's going in his direction or not, the guy goes 100%. And that's kind of the way I'm, you know, I, I'd like to think I'm wired. Whatever project <laughs> I get into, that I go that hard. I mean, shit, I'm 36 now, and at night I sleep really good because I wear myself out. Right. But just I really have a lot of respect for guys that are, that are intense like that. He, the, the NFL has – they have to do something to protect the quarterbacks because there's 32 teams in the league and there's 20 good quarterbacks. Twelve right. teams are playing with mediocre to piss-poor quarterbacks or mm-hmm. rookies. And so if they get rid of if, – if five of the top 20 get hurt, then like Andy said, you're playing second and third stringers. Nobody wants to tune in on Monday night – or let's say this Sunday night and Kansas City has got – I don't even know who Kansas City's backup is – playing against New England against Brian Hoyer. Nobody wants to watch right. that game. Or use right. Monday night for an example. Who wants to watch Deshaun Kaiser and C.J. Beathard go at it on Monday night football? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the NFL's got a big fucking problem on their hands, a big one, because if they don't start letting – I don't know how they even fix it. I can't fix that problem for them. But if they don't figure their own shit out, they're going to go, by the way, at NASCAR pretty damn quick. Yeah, and that's a dying, fading place. And NASCAR oh, was like, 20 years yeah. ago was growing like crazy. Well, even even ten years ago, yes, a, it is a shadow of what it used to be, because it's almost I'm not going to say rigged, but it's been commercialized so much mm-hmm. that you know it's it's a money game, what? and 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 I had a buddy that that used to uh, race, you know, in Cup, and he had a pretty good deal. He was well, he was working for Hall of Fame Motorsports. You guys know that Texas boys, Aikman and yes. uh, yeah. uh, Staubach, and, or, uh, uh, and then who was the other one? Oh, shit. Um, oh, this is going to be bad if we can't remember this. Oh. But anyway. We got two of the three. Oh, yeah, there you go. That works. But even then, back back then, that would have been 12 years ago or so. Terry Bradshaw, I think, is the third owner. No, 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 no. Was he? Maybe he was. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. Hall, Hall of Fame Motorsports, whoever it was. But uh, they were kind of a middle-of-the-road team, and you'd see that it wasn't about talent. It's about money. Right. You know, and when, when you start driving a business, as NASCAR or the NFL is a business, when you start driving a business by trying to manage the bottom line, you got major problems. And I don't care if you're selling popsicles or it's the NFL. When it becomes a money game, you've totally lost the audience. Right. And that's kind of what we're doing different here at, at Boss. You know, I've had people say, oh, well, you know, you're just doing that because it's a profit margin. I'm like, even this morning, I'm not one to engage people online. I'm not going to be that guy that goes crazy. Right. But when certain people make a comment in a certain way, I'm going to you know, send them a private message and say, hey, bro, it ain't about the money. I make my own money in other places. I'm doing this, and we're doing this for everybody else out there in the industry. You know, so that that... That's what really drives us, and I think what's going to make us successful is we are not driving the bottom line in this business. And what it's going to turn into, hell, I don't know. You know, I thought I started this thing off as a hobby business thinking it was going to be 100,000 shells a year. If I can make 100,000 shells a year, I can pay for all my hunting trips, mm-hmm. right? Right. Here, I think we're going to make a couple million. You never know. I mean, we might be, well, 
you're not going to find this on a fucking store shelf, I'll tell you that. But uh, who knows where it's going to go, but we're not, as long as we stay focused on the customer, the experience, quality, value, service, who gives a shit if you make a nickel or you make a million, right? right? As long as the lights are on, the bills are paid, you're feeding your family, everyone's happy, away you go, right? That's right. And I think that re- I think that statement right there resonates with more people because they, I think a lot of uh, companies think that their clients are, are, are pretty stupid, but I think your realness and your, your, uh, your being authentic with people is what's going to drive you more than anything. Because they can, I, they can cut out they they their bullshit sensor is a lot higher than people uh, than companies want to give them credit for. That's that's what I I like to believe, and you are right. But what we are seeing as this product is rolling out, there have been so many people that have been fed this line of bullshit, and they they believe it, and it's human nature to say okay. You're in the business of making shotgun shells. You're in the business of making shotguns. You know what's best for me. And they put all this branding on it, all this marketing behind it, and they'll sell that shotgun or they'll sell that shotgun shell. And it doesn't perform. Right. You know? It just doesn't. It's marketing. And that's the thing that, that it's way easier to tell the truth and be transparent and have a good quality product instead of spending a bunch of time trying to fill these people's heads full of a bunch of bullshit that in reality is a fraction of what's being sold to you. Now, I'll tell you that you can go out there and, I mean, who, everybody, 90% of the market, 95% of the market, these guys are going out there, they're running steel shells, and they're killing birds. You know, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that there's not room for a new guy that can come out and deliver value in a certain, you know, a different way. Like maybe we can save you a couple bucks a box, right? Maybe we can educate you a little bit more. Maybe you feel like you want to be a part of our bossman group that like, you know, is a group of really cool dudes, you know? And if we can be transparent and say, listen, we're not selling you anything that we don't run ourselves. And when I'm making a shell for you or you or you, it's got to be better than what I would make for myself. So our, our standards of what we will send out in the field is better than anybody else's because it starts and stops with our group of about four or five dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And a big company, you've got purchasing, you've got you know the middle management, you've got the supervisors on the floor, you've got the salesman, you've got the regional manager, you've got the executive vice president, you've got the so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. So you've got 14, 15, 200 people that that product is oversawn by that really at the end of the deal, those people are working for a paycheck. You know, right. everyone's got a job to do. So you can't go against the grain too much and ruffle too many feathers in the corporate setting because you're going to be out in your ass looking for work somewhere else. Correct. That's so, right. So how do y'all, y'all ship everything to people, right? Direct. Every, Direct. How, can you ship to Cal, the reason I'm asking is I had some guys hunting with me that live in California and they had to ship some stuff to me because they couldn't get it in California. Can you ship shotguns to people's houses in California still? Shells, I mean? Yeah, you have to send it to an FFL. That's what it is. So basically, if you live in California, you got to go to a gun store or whoever and say, hey, man, I want to buy shotgun shells. Can they ship it to you? So then what we do is we receive a copy of their federal firearms license, and then we keep it on file, and then we mail them straight to them, send the customer the tracking information, say, hey, dude, keep an eye on it. 
and once stuff's delivered, go pick it up. And whatever you got to do on your end, if you got to pay the guy a couple bucks or if your buddy's with him, he does it for nothing, you get your shelves there. It's a stupid fucking rule. What all, st- what all states are like that? As far as I know, California, there's some out on the East Coast where they're in states that people don't shoot very many ducks because they're loaded full of a bunch of fucking liberals. <laughs> so we got to worry about them. And then the only one that I, there's a list that, my office people have my office manager who runs that whole thing sees, but what, um, the only other one I know of that we got to watch out for is Chicago. You can't send shotgun shells to Chicago, but again, who runs that city? Exactly. So, so if it's a blue state or blue city, you can't do shit in it except get I, I shot. Don't think, and get I, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think there's any red states that are going to say we can't send shotgun shells to their front door. And I'm glad for that. I can't believe federal law don't oversee that shit. I understand states' rights well, and, and shit. And, and that's what I was thinking. Like, I thought about that last night because we had a guy that placed an order with us yesterday, and it came through as California. And our system didn't flag it as like, oh, no, can't send it here. So I'm like, wait a minute. We can't send this unless it goes to NFL in California. And it just so happened that guy has a buddy in New Zealand who's an avid shotgun shell box collector. So he asked if we could send him you know, one of every style of our shotgun shell boxes to him so he could send them to his buddy in California, or in New Zealand. So I was asking him, you know, hey, we got to do this, that, the other thing. So we ended up sending him to Texas, where his parents live. Mm-hmm. And he was going to go next month to Texas to see his folks and bring his shotgun shells back with him. And I was thinking, how fucking stupid is that? That you can't mail shotgun shells into California because of a state law that I have to clear them through the federal through a federally licensed dealer. So who's going to get pissed at me if I say to hell with you and your law, and I'm just going to send these to California anyway? You know, is the federal government going to get involved? Right. Probably not. What's the state of California going to do to me? I don't know. Think about it for a minute. What would they do? Fuck, who knows? But you got to think about it. it's the same same dumb fucks that won't let you use a plastic straw. Right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> you know, we, we got a local restaurant by us, a bar, that like a Mexican restaurant. Really good chips and salsa, really good Mexican food, really good margaritas. Mm-hmm. So we're there one day, and they're like, well, they give us our drink, and my kids want a straw. Can we get a straw with that? Oh, yeah, we're only giving you straws if you ask for them now. Hey, what the fuck is this country coming to? You can't give me a straw. you got to ask permission to get a straw. Then they give you these cardboard ones that after you, you drink, you know, two sips out of the fucking thing is limp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a 90-year-old like bitch. with a rope. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or that cardboard straw comes in a, in a plastic wrapper. <laughs> yep, exactly. What the fuck are we doing here, guys? We got a lot oh. of, we have a lot of listeners out in California, and, and I feel sorry for I them. I feel sorry they, for them. I do, too. They message me all the time, all the bullshit that they got to deal with, and it just, they're surrounded by fucking dumbasses. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like living in the city of Chicago. The, city, the Windy City Chicago. is hard to believe a town made up of American workers and hard is being run by thugs and drug cartels and Democrats. All the same thing. For former leaders of the of the freest nation in the world, mind you. Yep. So yeah. are, are, are any of these big box stores, have they reached out to you and like, hey, man, we got to get your product? No. That's what I was talking with, with some of the you know my guys. I'm like, okay, you guys know the lay of the land a hell of a lot better than I do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to talk to Chose later, I think he said, in, in a week or two. But the guy, is, the guy is a hes a legend in this industry. And I didn't realize that. I didn't even know who Lee was until someone told me, go call Chose. All right, don't talk to Chose. This guy named Lee. 
But anyway, it's a separate conversation. <laughs> so I was kind of like, all right, man, I, I really don't know shit about this industry. I got a bunch of mixed decoys from a bunch of different manufacturers. I got five or eight-year-old camouflage. My waders are 15 years old. They don't leak, and I'm going to wear them. Okay, so then you start realizing, like, the way this thing works. And the biggest eye-opener for me was if you had a product to sell in a big-box store, okay? Say you were making, let's pick something we want to talk about. What are you making? Decoys. Decoys. All right, you're making decoys, which, by the way, needs to change with everything coming in from China. I got a story for that, too, later on. So you're making decoys, and you want to sell them into the big box conglomerate. Okay. They're going to say, well, you know what? Give us your price. So you give them the price. You're saying, oh, man, you know, so-and-so will sell them to us for a nickel cheaper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you're out on your ass. Now I was talking to someone who was selling pistol ammunition. Pistol ammunition. A purchase order for $100,000. Okay. At the very bottom line, they were four cents higher, a hundred thousand and four or a hundred thousand dollars and four cents. Someone came in a hundred grand or thereabouts, four pennies cheaper, and the entire purchase order was canceled. They went with someone else. Wow! Based on price alone. Okay. So anyway, what they're going to do is they're going to put you and the other four decoy guys head to head and drive that price down as cheap as you can. Okay. So say you end up racing to the bottom and you end up going and saying, "Hey, we're going to do business with you." So they're going to put their stuff on the shelf, and they're going to advertise it online, and this and that, the other thing. So say you went from a guy who was selling decoys out of your barn or on eBay, and you went from selling $100,000 worth of decoys in a year to $3 million, okay? They're going to come back to you and say, hey, man, you want to do business with us next year? Okay, well, here's how much we did with you, and here's how much you are going to pay for your marketing placement and advertising online, print, catalog, so on and so forth. You're paying for that extra, right? Yeah, right. What are you going to do? So you've you've been doing business with this big box guy for a couple years now. You can't sell direct, right? They got you with a gun pointed to your head. Yeah. You got to play ball with them. So what do you do then? You got to figure out a way to make a make that decoy cheaper. So you find someone in China, move further inland, and you find another plastic guy that'll make that bird cheaper. Maybe the paint don't stick. Maybe half of them fill with water when you're done hunting. You know. So it's a it's a complete fucked up mentality in this industry where small business a lot of these guys in outdoor space are small businesses. Okay, mm-hmm. one thing I learned: a lot of them are small companies, husbands, wives, that kind of thing. You end up putting those guys, good people, mind you, very good people in this industry, in an adversarial relationship. Right. So say you're making. I don't know, uh, say you're making layout blinds or whoever it is. Maybe you were, not anymore. Those have become ripped off and private labeled. But anyway, they take good people, put them against each other, and have this hostile environment, and it ruins this industry. Everyone's flooded with a bunch of bullshit stuff that doesn't work as well as it should. Maybe the fabric tears or it doesn't wear like it should, all because small businesses are trying to stay alive, and the big guys are wanting all the money for themselves. And I fucking hate it. The internet's changing everything and making a level playing field because our our two biggest sponsors are, are, well, actually there's, well, one of them, I guess the other two do sell retail with it. They're both in the liquor business, but uh, I don't know if Sea Light sells. I think Sea Lights, Dive Bomb, and 737, all three of our other sponsors, they all, I think they're all internet sales only. 
Oh, and it, and and that's that is where the market's going. I mean, here's the thing: almost all of my purchases in for waterfowl are done online because if I go to the local retailers around here, they're all big time into deer hunting and fishing. Not a lot of waterfowl going on, so you got to go online. Well, if you go online, you can go online to Amazon. You can go online to other people's storefronts. Online is online. It's a commodity, right? right. Online, the online space. So for us to put an online website up is going to provide no different shopping experience than any big box store or anyone else. Exactly. So I hate to to shit on like the medium or small online business or small retailer but unfortunately, it's kind of like guilt by association, mm-hmm. that if you are going to be in the middle and we are dealing with a distributor and we're having to you know, mark up on mark up on mark up, and then you're going to come back and tell me that my price is too high and you're going to give the business to somebody else, we're not playing that. And I think that a lot more of that direct-to-consumer thing needs to happen in the industry. I think it's probably going to be, you know, it's going to be a growing trend. Um but the way the landscape is, a lot of these companies can't afford to do it because they've been held hostage by the big box guys for so long. So what are you going to do? Hey, today we're, you're doing $5 million worth of business with us. If you go direct to your customers, you're going to go to zero and have to build from nothing. Meanwhile, these people have a mortgage on their home. They probably have business loans that they're operating on, you know, lines of credit, the infrastructure. They probably have containers coming across the ocean. They are literally fucked. And the easiest way for us to not get involved in that mess is to do our own thing. I've I've noticed the coffee companies now, like in Texas, we have some Texas coffee companies, mm-hmm. and they're all the same way. You can only buy it online, and they're yep. growing like crazy. And that's it's the, like yeah, it's like the boutique nature of the business. You know, that's kind of like that. Like by us, breweries are a big thing. You know, and and like I, people ask me about shotgun shells, they're like, okay, well, how are you going to fit in this space? I'm going to say, okay, I'm not going to be an Anheuser Busch or Miller Brewing, right? But I'm not going to be, you know, the microbrewery downtown that opened up in an old factory building that makes a kick-ass beer. I want to be like a Sam Adams kind of thing, you know, available everywhere, batch-made, high-quality, widely distributed, good brand. And that's that's where I think there's there's growth for a lot of those guys in our industry that that can do the same thing. And what I try telling them is, if someone can survive one season of pain, Okay, and you can plan out ahead of time how you're going to do this. We are going to cut from that cord this year or whatever year it may be. And if you can plan for it properly, it's going to hurt for about one year. But with the power of social media and the the networking groups that are out there and word of mouth, these companies can and will survive. No doubt about it. No mean, doubt about it. You mean getting out of the box stores? Just, Absolutely. It's going to sting for a year, whether that's going to hurt for a year. It's 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 like it's kind of like in my business when when uh, we have customers that want to go, you know, thirty day terms versus sixty day terms, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, they want to pay me in sixty days. It's like, guys, it's only going to hurt one time. That's for thirty days. It's that first month that you're not going to get paid, but after that. It's steady money rolling in. It's all. It's a one-time painful incident. That's it. Yeah. And look at it this way: if three, four of these guys go direct, what's that do for the end customer? Right. I would like to think that a good businessman would look at how much money can I make if I don't deal with distribution. How much money can I invest on product quality, and how much money can I save the end user? 
you know? Yeah. That's exactly right. And brand loyalty is big in this country. I mean, I'm a Columbia guy. Everything I buy clothes-wise is Columbia just about. And I'm probably mm-hmm. not – I'm wearing a Magellan shirt probably right now. But usually – but I'm a Columbia guy. And I like Nike stuff, even – I don't like all their politics shit, but they make a good right. product. But people like the same things if it works all the time. I shoot right. a Browning shotgun because I like them. If I was going to buy a new one, I'd buy me a Nurse Tory. So if I buy mm-hmm. Boss Ammo and I like it, I'm going to keep buying it, and I'm going to go search for it. And and, and right. I think I think the consumer in the United States that's the way we are about stuff, and especially well, the, in a yeah, hunting business we, or fishing outdoors type. We need to get back to that, and really, I'm not going to say you can't preach loyalty because you're either a loyal person or you're not. But unfortunately, there's a lot of guys that at the at the end of the money, there's not enough month. You got me? Yes. There's a, so they're stretching nickels to have. You know, to, to be able to enjoy this sport in the outdoors, right? And it's not a cheap thing. Like, the amount of money I see people spend on gear and decoys and guns and boats and trailers, I mean, it's it's a small mortgage. Yeah. And and at the end of the deal, shotgun shells are the last thing that you need to go out on a good hunt. Mm-hmm. And it's the last thing that gets bought when there's not a lot of money left over. So what we're trying to do is make this product accessible that is a, for the guy looking for a little bit better edge, right? Fill the pattern, smaller shot, carry the same energy as a bigger steel pellet. Yes. Have a higher success at, at, you know, achieving the goal, right? For that guy, we can make it cheaper and deliver it cheaper than what a lot of these big guys are selling it to their retailers for. What? True fact. We are delivering our ammunition to the customer's doorstep for less money than what the manufacturers are sending it and selling it to the retailers for. What, what What's your number one selling shell right now? Well, right now, it's our our product launch has kind of been delayed. There's been you know some midstream changes, and you know the models kind of changed because we we were going to roll this thing out all at one time. But unfortunately, what happened is I'm not going to say unfortunately. It's a good thing that happened. Guys started hearing about it locally, and then they contacted me personally on my Facebook page. And before you know it, we're mailing stuff to them, you know, um, like not through a website. They're paying through PayPal and that whole thing. So then one guy posts on Facebook, man, you wouldn't believe how this stuff patterns. Oh, man, I'm just kicking the bird's ass with this stuff. Then another guy, another guy, another guy. So as we were trying to establish inventories to launch our full product line, it kept on getting bought out. Wow. So what we're doing now is we're introducing stuff that, people have loved earlier in the season in this past spring and are having great success with. So we're, we've got a number three and a number five shot mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh, well you don't have fours. You don't have twos. And okay. Well, there's always going to be the people that, that aren't happy regardless, but threes and fives for now. And we'll have the full product line rolled out here in uh, coming weeks, probably by, by mid November, we should be healthy on pretty much everything. Um, but one of the big ones that we're really looking forward to and you speak of brand loyalty, is this youth 20-gauge load that we got. You know, I got an 8-year-old boy, and I was trying to get him to shoot a 20-gauge when he was 6. Mm-hmm. And he's a little guy. And, you know, the can't find a gun that fits. So if there's anybody listening that wants to get into manufacturing shotguns in the USA, get on board, make a youth 20-gauge automatic that works, that fits a little kid, not a 14-year-old, right? But we got this low-recoil, three-quarter-ounce cupcake of a load super lethal because it's got the high density bismuth in it and if we get that in the, the hands of the kids that they can shoot ducks or geese kill them clean and not get hammered by the thing we can start that loyalty thing early on from a very young age 
you know, and we're going to sell we're going to sell that at a loss to try to get that in the hands of as many kids as we can to draw more younger kids in the sport. And yeah, it's a premium business load that it's not free. But if we can get it at a price that every dad or mom can buy it for their kid to shoot, it's going to be a success. You're going to have the older senior citizens tearing that stuff up too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're going to be well. You know, they they deserve it. They've worked their entire career one way or another, and they've gotten to the point where uh, where they're not working anymore. Money's tight, and take advantage of it. I'd love to help them too. My da- my dad. We've got guys that have had pacemakers put in that are asking about it. You know, we need low recoil. Well, we got that. I, that that's what I said. My dad's seventy four, seventy five, and he's a old war horse. But the other day he was shooting my. I, I shoot a twenty gauge over and under, and I like it. It's real light. He's like, God dang it, so Mitch kicks. And and when you was talking about that, I thought, you know, Dad would shoot that with them loads in it, and it wouldn't kick as much. And right. I, and so I think there's a big market with older guys on that also. But I yeah. think it's a great, great deal you're doing trying to get the kids involved. So your three shot, how would yep. you push that to a steel shot? Is that basically like shooting BBs the same? Di- uh, you know, when you look at like scientifically and ballistically speaking, two sizes bigger, but. There's so much that goes in. I could talk for an hour and a half about that and probably not even scratch the surface. But, you know, it used to be in the industry, like, oh, okay, if you're shooting bismuth, just go two sizes smaller. Mm-hmm. And people would leave it at that. Okay, well, we go two sizes smaller, and you got to start looking at how this stuff chokes, how does it pattern. And where you're really getting your, your lethality from is by having fewer holes in the air, okay? If you can hit that bird with four pellets instead of one, you got, you know, four times better success of hitting something vital that's going to kill that thing clean instead of breaking a wing or wounding it. Right. Right? And then one of the things I hate more than I hate about shooting cripples is watching birds fly out of the decoys that you know that you hit and hurt. And I, I can't stand that. So it's got to be quick, clean, humane kills. And by, you know, like I said, filling that pattern, fewer holes in the air, Getting that energy out there, out at a distance, is going to create better success for these hunters. So the other thing, too, that with a smaller, denser pellet, it's going to bleed off less energy as it flies downrange. So your, your, big, your big BBs that don't weigh that much because they're steel lose their energy quick because of drag and their lack of density. So you take something smaller, carries the same amount of energy initially, but it will retain that energy at a longer distance. So then you can start shooting even smaller shot. And we've had guys that are having very good, clean kills at insane distances with fives and sixes. You know, unheard of. You know, it's more like that tungsten stuff that, you know, everyone loves, but it's like $4 a squeeze. Right. They're having that kind of success because they're picking up the phone, they're calling us, they're engaging us through social media. I hate email. I'd rather talk on the phone. But we tell them, here's how you got to choke it. Please pattern your shotgun. Do it at 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards. Start hunting at a range that you're comfortable shooting at. And as you gain proficiency or and or confidence, you can start taking these longer shots. You know, so the thing is, like, these guys are saying, oh, man, I can shoot them at 60 yards, blah, 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 blah. Well, in a perfect world, where would you like to kill your ducks and geese at? 10 yards with their feet on the decoy. There you go. But you know that if you get six birds that come in, by the time you get you know two shots off, there's a bird that's on its way out hightailing, right? Absolutely. So, And you know human nature, male ego, if you got one shell left in your gun, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I can hit that bird. 
you're going to do it. You're going to take the shot. Yep. And that's where we're seeing success in these, you know, quartering away, you know, clean kills as these birds are leaving the decoys. And it's, they're large distances, long distances, longer than I can, I want to say publicly, because people are going to say, oh, that guy's full of shit. But that's something that, you know, get these things in your hands and you guys can figure out yourself and, and see how it works. But it's, it's just, there is some science. A lot of people, like we were talking earlier as far as marketing and, you know, they, they're fed up with this bullshit. There's a lot of people that are. There's an a even larger number of people who buy into the horse shit marketing. And they're going to say, oh, you, that stuff doesn't work or I'm fine with my double B and all that crap. So yeah. it's, it's a real tough thing to navigate. We're always learning about what, what people want and how can we, how can we connect with, with the guy that might be on the fence? You know, what, what do we got to do to educate him? And it's not, it's not a shill for me to try to sell shotgun shells to the guy. I want people hunting with better success, having, having fun with it and not spending a ton of money. And one of the things that, you know, I've even internally in our group, I like these short two and three quarter inch shells. I mean, what was that thing you guys duck on with a two and three quarter inch shell? 1995. Yeah. It, it's okay. Been a while. I mean, I don't, I'm guessing, but it's been a long time, but I would guess yeah. probably, I hadn't bought two and three quarter waterfowl loads that I can even remember. I haven't either. Now, now would you ship big geese for the two and three quarter? No. Not since 1995. So what if I told you, hey man, here's a two and three quarter inch shell. Let's go shoot a limit of honkers. What would you say? I used to do it with lead back in the day all the time. <laughs> I'd say. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. I know it will work yeah. because. But when I first got in the business, was the the second year I was in business is when they went from steel lead to steel, and it was absolute. It was horrible. It was a nightmare. Yes, it was. And so, but I do remember shooting. I used to shoot number sixes that my dad reloaded at ducks and geese both, and would knock mm-hmm. the piss out of them because they were hot charges and they would, you know, it was lead. Right. And so, yeah, I'm right. I'm excited to shoot them fives that you got. And, and that's what that's what we were kind of doing is this whole thing started as a reloaded shell. Okay, so. We're nobody from nowhere. We don't have buying power, right? We're not buying, you know, four or five, six containers of holes at a time. We're not buying thousands of pounds of gunpowder. Mm-hmm. So we come into the market, like I said, with no buying power. We're dealing with shotgun uh, uh, gunpowders that are boutique in the way they're manufactured. So they're not OEM blends that are, you know, $8 a pound. We're dealing with shotgun powder that's $14 a pound. But we don't care because it's got to be the best shit that there is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you put the best components in it. You build it like you do a reloaded or hand-loaded shotgun shell. And so what if you mass produce them a million at a time? If you put that kind of quality of material into it, the end result speaks for itself. So the biggest question that we get is, when are you going to make three-inch? When are you going to make three-inch? We're going to make a three-inch shell. But mind you, that that three-inch load is an ounce and a half, an ounce and five-eighths of metal. And one, they're going to recoil like crazy. Two, they're going to be expensive. So I tell these guys, why don't you look at your shells that you shoot and tell me what it is? Oh, it's an ounce and a quarter number three. Yeah, I got an ounce and a quarter number three or number five. Fits in a two and three-quarter inch shell. Well, why don't you put it in a three-inch? Well, take that three-inch shell apart and tell me what's inside it. There's all kinds of bullshit coming out of it. Plastic pellets and flax seeds and all kinds of crap that does absolutely nothing but take up space so that buyer thinks that he's got a three-inch magnum shell. Right. When really, there's two and three-quarters worth of stuff in there, 
quarter ounce or quarter inch full of bullshit, that still counts to the payload. So when you're buying a three inch ounce and a quarter shell and it's all full of flaxseed and everything else, what you're sending out that barrel counts towards what's what you're printed on that hull. Right. Wow. So I, yeah. that that's amazing. So the easiest thing for us to do, the easiest thing is to make a three inch ounce and a quarter shell, sell the piss out of them and make everybody happy. But like I said, that's a that'd be a profit thing. That'd be for us trying to go to the market and say, "Hey, we want you to shoot this because this is what you're used to." Mm-hmm. And and that's where you know it's like I said, that internal struggle. Guys are saying, "Brandon, we got to produce the three inch shell. We'll get to it." But I more than anything, this is I want to use this as a time to educate the people, tell them what they're you know. Let's start looking at patterning, you know, pattern boards. Shoot some of your shotgun shells at cardboard. Let's have constructive dialogue. Let's get you guys in a better position to have more success on your hunts. And I think even the guys that are going to brag online, any asshole with a keyboard in front of them is going to be, oh, I take 70-yard shots, and I went out and shot a limit of birds, and I only ran five shells. Okay, good for <laughs> you, dude. But you and I both know that that doesn't happen. Right. You know, there's a reason why. How many, how many birds are harvested in the United States every year? I, I don't. 1.5 million, I'm guessing. Nope. Keep going. 3 million. 15 million. Wow. Okay. I'm... There's 15 million birds harvested on average with, you know, by the federal government, their, their estimations. Now, that doesn't count that spring snow goose season where it's no limit, right? Correct. Okay. How many waterfowl shotgun shells do you think are sold per year? There's 15 million birds that are harvested each year in the United States. 75 million. I'd say I'd say 200. Uh, right up, I think more closer towards 200, about how, 150. How many of them are shot at birds though? In the average No, that's no, that's that is non-toxic waterfowl. Our research shows that we're looking at between 100 and 150 million non-toxic shells sold each year in the United States. How many of them you think reason I'm asking is I the average guy shoots, I know during dove season in Texas, I saw a deal from Texas Parks and Wildlife, one out of every five, the average shooter's 20% kill per shoot. Per, yep. Is that about and, right? Well, I used to think that it was three to one, so you'd be 33%. Mm-hmm. But 20%'s about there, but if you look at 15 million to 150 million, it's about 10, 10 to per, one. Yeah. Or some shitty shots, we can't attest to that. We see a lot right. of those. Well, and and it's unfortunate, but it doesn't need to be that way. And if people would kind of check their ego at the door, take a look at, A, what they're buying. B, know what you're buying. Look at it. Shoot these things. See what you're doing. Make cleaner shots, cleaner kills, better decision-making. They're going to have more success. But knowing that I'm a dude, you're a dude, you want to be able to have that firepower that you can take that 40-yard shot and kill a bird, right? Right. So if what we can produce gives you a little bit more of an edge and having a, a higher percentage of making that kill, and it's not going to cost that much more money, do it, right? So that's kind of where we're going with this whole thing, that we just want we want more for everybody out there in the industry. And uh, I think we're going to be, be able to do a pretty decent job, and that's the thing, too, like we're making boxes of 20. And people have asked, why is it a box of 20? Well, it seems like whenever I take a box of 25 out in the blind, you're coming back with four or five or six shells in a wet cardboard box that's you know falling apart. That is true. And those end up going into a bag, and then next morning you go out hunting, you want to take them dirty-ass shells in the bag? No, you can take them to the box, right? Mm-hmm. So 10's not enough. 
25 is too many. 20 sounded like a nice even number, and no one's done it before. So we're a different company doing different things, so 20 it is. That makes a lot of sense. I can't tell you how many how many hunts at the end of the day I look at the box, and I got four left or like six yeah. left. And you're just like, well, what the fuck am I? You know, and that's another thing. Then you get to towards the end of your box, and you're like, well, I don't want to take anything home, so I'm just going to use up right. what I've got. And then right. now all of a sudden you're taking shitty shots because you don't want to you don't want to just throw three three shells in the bottom of your bag. Right, right. And if nothing else, what I'd like to be able to tell every hunter is, if you don't want to run our stuff, fine. Try a box. Get some number sixes. That when you knock birds on the ground over decoys in the water, use one of those to finish them off. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can you with number sixes if a bird's on the water, it's crippled, it's not flying away. Number sixes, you can kill them at seventy yards. People have done it on finishing shots. Right. So there's there's value in that, and if it's not boss, at least get some bismuth or some tungsten from somebody else. So these birds aren't sitting out there suffering, you know, doing that whole thing. Because I I'm kind of soft when it comes to that. And I do not like wounded animals at all. No, I'm with you there. What kind of what what's the chokes do you recommend? Improved, modified? Okay. Yeah, let's well, we got this. different. There's different velocities, and that's the biggest thing that that like other companies that have made bismuth, they don't educate the people on how to shoot it. How do you choke it? This stuff chokes just like lead, pretty much. So, one, you really can't over-choke it. If, as long as it's like a four-shot or bigger, you can run a turkey choke and throw super tight laser beam patterns a long, long distance. Okay? So if you're a good shot, I mean, have at her and shoot as far as you want with a turkey choke. Mm-hmm. But you want to choke a, like your extended range at 1350 is about, this is a pretty good pattern extended range like your your full choke if you're running 1450 that extra velocity wants to open the pattern up just a little bit so you still have a very uniform pattern that's more open you can bring that pattern back in control by going extra full so it's really kind of neat the way it works like steel shot you you're stuck with you know a 690 choke as tight as you can go or else you start running issues with the chokes getting stuck in your barrel with bismuth you can do whatever the hell you want with this and let the choke function like a choke was designed to to, to work. Not putting fancy wads with wings in them and all kinds of other bullshit that doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can't tell you, if you shoot, if you have buddies that shoot some of the big box stuff, you know, the BD steel, and you go out and pick up wads out in the field, what are you going to find more often than not in the bottom of that wad? Well, Shot. Yeah. It yeah. happens all the time. And the wad is... And the, what the wad's doing is it's it's not doing anything but screwing up your pattern. So the way we design our stuff, let the wad function only as a gas seal between the powder and the shot. That, that's all that we're trying to do is keep the powder and shot separate and allow that gas to expand and provide a nice seal as it's going down the barrel. And when you want to control the pattern, you try different choke tubes. So every single choke is going to help the pattern shape in a different fashion. And it's really kind of fascinating to see how evenly this stuff disperses regardless of what choke you use. There's no such thing as a bad choke when it comes to choking business. Right. It's all how tight you want the pattern. And there's no no bullshit marketing, advertising, anything like that that we can sell, you know, a choke ours is better because. Now we're going to come out with our own chokes mm-hmm. and people can buy them if they want, which is fine, but more than that is we want to educate and get these people making the right decision for their chokes. So Nothing more than a modified, you know, more open, and as full as you want to go. So, yeah. So, I'm going out tomorrow for our duck our duck opener, 
I'm going to be shooting number sixes at 1350, and I'm running an improved modified. Improved and modified. I figure I'll be good out to 40 yards. Nice. Yeah. And that's, you know, anything over that, you, like you had talked about earlier, you're probably no, going to take the shot. You're probably going to cripple the, the bird, anything, anything right. over that. Right, because then what you're doing is you're having all this dead air, mm-hmm. right? Pellets are still carrying energy. They're still going out there, but your pattern's opening up. And I don't like that, so I'm not going to take that shot. Now, meanwhile, if I were to go with like my, the way I have my, my goose set up with a number 5, 1450 with an extra full, if I shoot a duck, dear God, at 15 yards, I mean, there's not, you're not going to be able to eat the thing. <laughs> so, so it's all about, you know, it's, it's education. It's more than anything. I think you guys can tell I like to have fun. Yes. And the money will come. I mean, if we can, if we can make enough money with this business to pay for expansions with our capacity to offer different product lines like a real steel shotgun shell, which we're going to manufacture, and a real premium tungsten shell, which is going to be really slick. That's going to be coming out. We are going to do really, really well. You know, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not about the money. It's about having good experiences, having happy customers, and having good products. That's all it is, and employing American workers, man. So what do you gain? Um, you've got you've got two different uh, uh, feet. Per, you got 1450 and 1350. For most loads, yes. What do you gain by using one over the other? This is the thing. The male. Remember, we talk about male egos. We sh- you should call me back sometime. We can talk about male egos and how <laughs> they get people in trouble. Yeah. But anyway, what you gain, you gain peace of mind mentally upstairs because you think that faster number is better, mm-hmm. and it's not. The optimal ballistic performance for bismuth is right around. 1,250 to 1,350 feet per second. Anything other than that, you start blowing the pattern apart because you're overspeeding that shot. So like I said earlier, if you really, really want to shoot that fast number, well, we can fix that. You're not blowing the pattern. It's just opening up. So just choke it a little bit tighter. You see what I'm saying? Right. So there's a solution for everything. And we're not going to go faster than 1450. I shot 1450 because I'm a guy and I like that high number and I want to shoot something fast because I think it's got more power. But what we have learned in testing and everything else is speed, it kills, but anything over 1250 is kind of a waste. But we're going to make that product as long as we know that it is going to work and there aren't any you know chinks in the armor. And you, prob- you probably... Speaking of chinks in the armor, you hear the guy that had to apologize for... What was it? It was last week. He said someone's got a chink in their armor, and the guy just happened to be Asian. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. It's not even the, the same kind of chink. And the commentator had to apologize publicly. It was a poor choice of words. I'm thinking, you it's... dumb son of a bitch. Why did you apologize to anybody for saying chink in the armor? That goes back to medieval times before yeah. the the knights even knew what a Chinese person was. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're so fucking sensitive, it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I digress. I apologize. No, no, no. But as far as, so as far as ballistics performance and speed, one thing that you do get is cold weather performance suffers big time with shotgun shells, the way they're commercially produced today. So a lot of guys will only have problems with their gun cycling in cold weather. And people think, oh, my gun's wet. It's dirty. It's cold. The oil froze. Right? You guys are in Texas. How cold does, does oil have to get before it freezes? Shit, I don't know. Shift. Colder than I want to be hunting in, right? Right, yeah. Minus but anyway, <laughs> w- 
what happens is powders burn slower as they cool off, as the temperature goes down, right? So when a powder burns slower, it's creating less pressure because the pressure is what creates velocity, okay? When that powder ignites, it's creating a massive amount of pressure. As it's cooled off, the, the burn is slower and less pressure. What happens when that, that uh, powder burns slower? It gets really dirty, so it's going to plug up you know, your gas ports and how your operating system works. It's going to fill it full of grime in the chamber. It's not going to cycle because of the temperature. It has nothing to do with the cleanliness of your gun. Wow. Okay? So what we end up doing is there is a, there is a recommended minimum pressure that shotgun shells should operate at to reliably cycle, okay? Mm-hmm. And the industry standard is around 7,000 pounds. And we're limited to roughly 12,000 pounds for maximum pressure. So you're dealing in that seven to 12,000 pound window, knowing that lower temperatures, lower pressures. So what our loads are designed to do is operate with minimal, minimal temperature or pressure drop, okay? So if you, really cold weather, pressure drops, gun's still going to cycle, powder's still going to burn clean. We run 1,000 pounds higher than what the recommended minimum is, only because we care about what's going on out in the field with these hunters, you know? Right, and that's how you get a cleaner burn. You get a cleaner burn. I mean, if you run our clean at burns versus some other stuff, freeze shells, hunt in cold weather, you are not going to see the issues like you have with a lot of other people's products, and that's because of the powders we use. Right? They're way expensive, way more expensive than any other commercial manufacturer is going to make because they don't have that much control over their margins because they got the gun held to their head. My competition is they're not bad people, right? They're just forced. They've been, you know, their hands been forced down a path that they're kind of stuck. They can't go direct to their customers or else they'd alienate, you know, the entire nation of distributors and retailers. It's a retailer's problem. That's who I have the issue with. Do, how how long do you think it is before these big box stores take a hit? I mean, th- there's the market's going to see more guys like you that are going straight to the consumer. Yeah, remember the I don't know, man. You remember the whole male ego thing? They're going to say, "Oh, that's they're not going to take our business. We're too good. Right. Our product's too good." So I think it's going to be kind of like one of these slow burn things that you know we'll chip away at it. We're going to get people starting to shoot our stuff. You know, kind of have fun with it, and you know, get back to the day, the old school days of lead and you know, start cartwheeling birds and, you know, shooting beaks off, that whole thing. We're going to get to that point slow. I think it's going to be a while, but who's who knows what's going to happen with, with this direct-to-consumer model with ammunition. I don't think the big guys have the balls to go direct. I don't think that they'll do it. I think they'll feel that there's too much downside to them. Their investors will be pissed. I mean, could you imagine a public corporation saying, you know, we sold $100 million to the shotgun shelf last year through distribution. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to start selling these direct to the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start from zero. That ain't going to happen. Would not be fun at those board meetings. How long How long do you test a load before you roll it out uh, to the public? Do you test it out a season or? Two years. Two years? Two years. So it's kind of like I've got patents on other technology that, you know, are in the automotive industry. And you spend a long time developing products that work. But once you put once you put a certain recipe together, you know what changes you can make that will allow that load to function and operate as it should. So what I'm saying is, like, 
our all of our loads are very very similar in construction, but yet they're they're all different. But at the same time, there's enough flexibility that we have within our product catalog that if you call up and say, "Hey, man, I see that you know you've only got you know your ounce and five eighths load only runs at 1,200 feet per second. Can you move it at 1,400?" I'm going to say no because we would have to use a different powder that to get that velocity, and then in cold weather it's going to slow up. Blah 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 blah. If if the product, we're not going to offer products based upon numbers and marketing bullshit. You're going to see a slower number only because if you try to move it any faster, it's not going to work. Right. But at the same time, if you ask me and say, hey, man, you know, my my dad's kind of old and he doesn't like the recall anymore. I see all that you have is a three-quarter ounce, 1150. Could you give me seven-eighths seven eight of an ounce at 1200? Yeah, sure, dude. Give me, give me a couple days, I'll get you a case. So, yeah, so we still we still will custom load based upon numbers that we have here, all the testing work we've done over the last two years, that we'll we'll custom tailor a load for you if you get a case at the time. And, so and we want to be more than accessible to, to these customers that this is as close to custom loaded ammunition on a mass production scale as you're gonna get. Nobody else is doing that's amazing. Nobody else is doing that. No. Call no. you up and say, Listen, this is what I want, this is what I'm dealing with, what can you make me? Wouldn't you like that? That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, our sandbox and outdoor space is not that big, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's there's major influencers, there's not that many of them, that can kind of steer the steer the ship, and we're kind of throwing our hat in the ring saying, hey, you don't know about us now, but you're going to, you know, one way or another, and we're pretty good dudes, down-to-earth guys, willing to do whatever it takes to make you happy. Within reason. If you tell me to give you an ounce and five-eighths bismuth load, that's going to go 1,500 feet per second, I'm going to say, no, we can't do that, man, and here's why. And then we provide the education on the backside to say, here's why you can't do this. And then people can say, oh, all right, well, that's cool. Now I know something. What about the um, boutique uh, sizes, 410s and 28 gauges? Okay, so here's what we got. I spent $14,000 having a line air freighted in from Italy. It landed in Chicago this morning. I'll have it on Monday. The demand that we've got has been so intense that we bought a refurbished inline machine capable of making 4,000 shells an hour. That's come into my factory. We're going to get that thing set up. We're going to get caught up on all of our 12-gauge, two-and-three-quarter-inch loads, ounce and a quarter, ounce and three-eighths, all shot sizes, all velocities. Once we get good numbers there, I've got four more machines coming in that are going to make our three-inch 12-gauge, our three-inch 20-gauge, our three-inch, or sorry, two-and-three-quarter 20-gauge. All of my loading equipment I have here now that each line's capable of making about 800 an hour, we are going to convert to sub-gauge. First one being 28, and then 16, and then probably 410. I've got tooling for all of them. It's just having the capacity and time to to get these things loaded. And I hate to say it, I'm not forgetting about these sub-gauge guys. There's a huge market there. 20-gauge is huge for us. Yeah. We will get to them. We just need you to be patient. Like I said, the business side of things, we got to be able to pay some bills, afford to you know finish the tooling, afford to take machines offline, retool them to get up for these different gauges. But we are going to manufacture that for for the market. Absolutely, 100%. Has this thing, this thing is, has taken off on you. I, I can tell. I mean, it's just exploded in, in front of your face, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a great thing, and it's kind of a blessing and a curse because my wife, 
you know, she told me last year because I sold one of my companies and I kind of was just hanging out doing my day-to-day thing at my main business. And she's like, Brandon, you're kind of a pain in the ass. You're driving me nuts. Why don't you go find something to do? <laughs> so I get into the shotgun shell thing, hook up with Cho's yeah. and all the other guys. And now she's saying, Brandon, you need to put your work down because I never see you and this and that. It's like, well, you know, right. I guess that's one, that's the way it goes. But yeah, we're having a hell of a good time with it. And like I said, if we, if we do our thing, like we need to do, we're going to be a successful company, and uh, it's going to be a good ride for everybody in the industry. Everyone. Now, everyone, everyone. what are the laws surrounding uh, you you distributing into Canada? Is that a pain in the ass? Yes. And we have had a lot of people say, how can I get this stuff into Canada? How can I get it up into Canada? Well, if you're in the U.S., you want to hunt with it, you can bring 200 shells or one case per person without paying taxes. So the guys that want to go take boss up there, they've been doing it, having good luck with it up there. But if you are in Canada, I don't even know how to get the shit up there, but there's a guy, or there's a bunch of guys that are distributors that will buy our ammo and resell it. And there's a guy that we talked to this morning, and he said, hey, man, I want to get your product up into Canada. I'm a distributor. And I'm thinking distributors are four-letter words in my book because I fucking hate them. (laughs) But anyway, Uh. he says, I, I, I call him. I say, hey, man, what can we do to get this stuff up there? He said, well, I'm a distributor. And I got a bunch of people that are asking me for your product, and I'd like to get it up here. I said, okay, well, how are you going to sell it? Well, I'm going to send it to all of my retailers, and then they're going to sell it. I said, wait a minute, dude. I said, here's the thing. You know we're direct-to-consumer, right? We're cutting out the middleman. We hate retailers. We hate distributors. They're making too much money and screwing the hunters, and everybody suffers. Okay. So... I asked him, I said, for us to go into Canada, we know that there's going to have to be a middleman that is going to have to make some money to distribute this stuff to the end user. Right. Will you sell direct? Oh, man, well, uh, I said, hey, man, I, I got another call I got to go on, and I really did because I had to pay for the shipping and handling for that wire uh, for that machine that's coming in from Italy. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, dude, if, if you want to go direct to consumer, we'll sell you the product. You can make a few bucks and sell direct. But if you're going to want to try to step on the price to sell it to a retailer, to step on the price, to screw my Canadian buddies up north trying to get boss, then it's a non-starter. Let me know. So we'll see what he says. We'll see what he says. But if you, if anybody knows anyone in Canada that wants to, to get this stuff into the hands of all the people hunting up there, I'd love to talk. Well, Brandon, we have taken up enough of your time. I can tell you're a busy, busy man. Keep fucking rocking on. You're changing the game. I mean, you, you really who would have ever thought, let me step into the into the shotgun shell ammunition game and just fucking turn it up on its head. <laughs> we'll see if we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, I it's a it's a shock to me too, and uh, I'm I'm gonna just let let everything kind of fall in place and see how it goes. But I'm, you know where our heart's at and you know how to get a hold of us, and I appreciate the call and, and appreciate the time. I'm fucking happy for you. I'm pumped for whatever the future holds for you and we'll I we'll get some stuff headed your way. I cannot wait to shoot this. Hey, all uh, right, man. Plug your website. Is it is it www.boss.com? What is it? Where can people Boss get a hold of you? Bossshotshells.com. Bossshotshells.com. You got an 800 yep. number or anything that can call? Or is everything online? Phone number 269-465-3631. And y'all got you some... Call, if you dial that number, you call between 7 and 4 Eastern time, you're going to talk to a real live person. And if you ask for Brandon, he's going to take the phone call and talk to you. Well, we look awesome. forward to people calling you. And, and y'all got some good-looking apparel for sale also, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's getting there, and that's 100% American-made is what we got with the T-shirts. We're trying to find hat manufacturers and hoodie manufacturers 
in the USA because if we're going to sell, it's got to be made by Americans. That's what we want. Yeah, God bless you, bud. God All bless right, you. man. You guys have a good weekend. Go, hey. Pat, go. All right, let's do it. Hey, yeah. thank you, sir. All right, I'll All see right. you. Bye-bye. Fucking changing the game. Cool I love product. it. I'm going to tell you what, their marketing plan is the way it's looking like everyone's going. Everybody's going to this. Uh, you know, and online is online. Yep. If you're going to buy from one of these big box stores online, why not just go to this direct, you know, this this guy and just get it right there? You look at JCPenney's are going out of business. Sears is going out of business. They're all suffering. Walmart's struggling. I know they are. They got, they, they're in with the, with the welfare crowd. I mean, they're keeping them a deal but that's it basically their groceries and stuff but people aren't buying from them places no more no i hate to shop i don't i, I would much rather buy online anything and i'm an amazon guy because i buy stuff direct but i would much rather buy from these guys direct than somebody else get yeah whatever when, when their, i drink my haircut is when i drink my invader coffee i direct i order directly from invader and, and it and he's got a superior product is what's crazy you know just like him talking about uh Two and three quarter versus three inch. Well, if you buy the three inch, you're getting another ounce, uh, another quarter inch of just bullshit. Shoot the three, two and three quarter, and I never. When I was a kid growing up, we never shot three inch shells. Really? Uh-uh. All, oh, you didn't have two to. And three quarter. You didn't have to. I mean, it was overkill. I mean, right. we're shooting geese at twenty yards. Right. Why the hell do you need to shoot three and halves? Right. Or threes. You notice three and halves never come up at all in that. No. And the three and halves did not come out. Nobody shot three and a halves until they went to steel. It's all marketing. Yeah. I mean, there was no three and a halves. I, I don't remember anybody even having a three and a half inch shell back then other than the 10 gauge. Right. And that's when 10 gauges really got popular. Yeah. Is when it went to steel. I'm, well, I I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I mean, I'm, I really am. A- so, any innovator changing the, changing the game got my blessing. I can't wait to cycle some of them shells through. Maybe it'll improve your shooting. Well, Zachary just come in. You want to jump in on this, Zachary? I'll get you plugged in. We, we can plug you in. We can talk to you a little bit, Zach. Well, everybody, if you go to BossShotShells.com, check them out. They got some cool-looking shirts and stuff. We're going to shoot some of them shells. We'll let everybody know how they are. Uh, it sure beats the hell out. I, when, when I first when we first went to Steel Shot, I bought a 10-gauge over-under, and I'm going to tell you something. That's like having a fucking mule on your shoulder kicking you every fucking time you shot that damn thing. All right, Zach, you're, you're wired. What do you think about all this? First off. The power of the podcast is working. I'm up to 911 followers. Uh oh. So Are you serious? We're what, what? 89 away, people. 89 away. You're going to get a follow back and a free hat. Follow the shit out of me. I'll even <laughs> autograph it if you want me to. <laughs> when did? How many did you have when you started this this week? 870. Yeah, 870. Or so you've picked up 100 yeah. and or you've picked up 47. No, yeah, just in the last few days. Yeah. Um, and another thing is, uh, you got a, an answer for your SX3 problem. Oh, I had an answer for you yeah, too. Yeah. God sent me a Actually, message I've gotten too. several replies. So, so. Uh, thank you for all those that have reached out to Zach. Thank you to all those that are following Zach. And if you follow Zach and you don't follow me, then fuck <laughs> you because uh, I'm a regular host on this and he, and he can't have more followers than me. So, that thousandth follower, like I said. Free hat and a, and a follow back. Did, did you not get covered up on uh, Facebook each week? Oh, your friend request? Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. what do you think about this boss shot show? I think it's I think it's an amazing. I'm, I'm ready to shoot it. I am too. I'm real ready, actually. Just just fucking do make those birds just, just crumple. Just cartwheels whenever you pull that fucking trigger. Yep. Just, That'll be nice. That'll be nice. I'm excited. Yeah. I yep. can't find that no. I got an email or something with you on some guy says something about the different oil. You need to use a different kind of oil. Yeah. That, I've gotten a couple of those. It's all pretty much the same advice. 
change oil. Change oil. Yeah, that's change what this guy to a synthetic. Synthetic. Yeah, yeah, that's what this guy said too. And yeah. and one guy suggested uh, changing the spring out. You can order a new spring, and he said that helped him. So. I appreciate everybody sending. I get messages every day from people. A lot of guys just say, hey, just letting you know, we listen to podcasts, makes yeah. work go by. Send us messages. We love hearing from you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, and I've gotten uh, a couple messages uh, regarding lose whining. So uh, thank you for that. A lot of, it, It's amazing the wealth of knowledge that is out there in this industry and, yeah. the, and the willingness to help one another uh, because this is a very, very small group. The waterfowl, just hunters in general, are a very, very small group of guys. And if we can look out for one another, it's going to do nothing but make this sport even better. So that's all I got. Sure, I'm ready to shoot some some of those shells, bub. Those it, poor, those poor early speckle bellies are just going to—they're going to get it. Take the brunt of it. They are going to get it. Okay, folks, I got some. Uh, if you're looking for some dates in November, I've got a few dates here and there. I got some days I can work in some small groups. Two guys, if you get grouped. If you got a two singles wanting to hunt together, I can hook you two up. Singles. Early November is we're gonna take off like a fucking rocket Ooh. ship. We got it, temperatures are gonna be at or near freezing Monday, Monday night, Sunday night, Monday night. It's gonna be cold. Cold, cold. We've got water. We've already got birds here. We are going when season kicks off. We are going to take off like a motherfucking rocket ship. We got ducks here for opening weekend of duck season. That's the 27th, correct, Jeff? Yes, 27th, 28th, High Plains Mallard. We had lots of ducks. We will have lots of ducks by then, and goose season opens up November 3rd. Early season is going to be just dynamite. You know, If you're wanting to get in on some dumb birds, that's the time. Our average first freeze is usually November 5th or 6th, and we're probably going to have a freeze on Monday morning, it looks like. I think it's going to. I think think it's going to get colder. Oh, yeah. It, it's always it's colder. always two or three degrees colder yeah. right at right at sunset. Three weeks or ahead, su- sunrise. Three weeks ahead of time, and they're talking about a really. I saw a deal massive cold snowstorm in Canada next week, like next week. Do it. <clears throat> I tell you what, the mo boys that got those lake. We've went to North Dakota and Canada for basically the last four years, and we never got an early winter. No, it was no. late every freaking time we were up there. Those old boys, like if I was going to book a trip to Canada this year, I would have booked the first week in November. Because I thought, man, it's been late. I don't then, think it, does it, it doesn't go that long, does it? Yeah, yeah. I think it goes to December. Uh-oh. When I talked to to Johnny, I think that November 4th is their last day up there, and he said he's worried they're not going to make it. That's what I'm saying. A lot of them old boys, now they're going to be done. They're going to be done probably next week. So they've got a lot. So if you've got a late hunt in Canada, I hope for your sake that you're going to the south end, because if you're going up north or middle, it might be tough, because a lot of the outfitters up there are telling me that their birds are either gone or most of them have already went through. Be yeah. locked up. Read that... Uh, uh, lessers were pouring into Pierre, South Dakota yesterday. So, when that north wind kicks up, I might might win my bet. Yeah, if they're already in Pierre, that's just a that's just that's just down the road. They, basically. they can make that in a couple hours. No, I, no problem. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna lose. Mom priced those steaks yesterday too. What, Thirty bucks a steak. Thirty eight. Tell you what, there's nothing better than a hard migration. Like one day you're scouting. Like, oh, you know, we got some birds. We got a good amount. Good birds, good birds. And the next day, it's like, where the fuck did all these birds come from? It's crazy. It is. And for us, phenomenal. And for us, it's the switching of specs to Canada. Yeah. That's when we know. That's when you know it's on. That's when you know that the migration is on because we'll drive by a field and you'll see, I don't know, a couple hundred Canadas. Mm -hmm. They they stick out like a, they got those black heads and and with uh, speckle bellies, they stick out. And then the next day you drive by and the numbers have basically flip-flopped. 
Yep. So that's that's when we know, and it's 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 so refreshing to see. It is. It is. They're calling for snow in the Panhandle of Texas. Really? Yep. Monday. Or Sunday, Sunday night. night Monday Sunday morning. Night. Yep. Wow. Two to three inches. Well, you know it's going to be uh, if it, you know, low thirties here, and they're calling for rain that time for us. So we well, might we might something. have some ice on the road. That would be something. Anyway. What a guy! I'm all fired up. I'm fucking. I'm. I'm pumped about. I'm pumped about this new shotgun shell. Go get them direct go, to you. Go buy them right don't, to your door. Don't have to go jack around with a big box store. Go do it. Bossshotshells.com. Oh, Brandon's a cool guy. He's our kind of guy too. <clears throat> yep. What do you got, Jefferson? Uh, get off your phone. I'm t- be with us. Uh, Hunting season coming right. I mean, basically our goose and waterfowl seasons here. I got some November dates left. I got some December dates, mostly weekdays. If you got a group of six to eight guys, holler at me. Come up and get a stay at the Big Honker Lodge, or come to Oklahoma and hunt with us. It looks like it's going to be the winter of '83 again. Maybe I don't know if it's going to go that far, but I tell you, I told a guy last night was I was talking to him about it, and he asked me. He said, "What do you think?" I said, "Well, I'm not a weatherman by any egg deal. You can tell by my tornado chasing this spring. And but my hurricane prediction. <laughs> yeah, no shit she's off on that too. But I said, we are definitely getting colder faster than we have before, or, or it has been a long time. And I remember about 10 years ago, Kansas locked up completely in December. Boy, that'd be something. And that's what I'm thinking. We're looking at this year. They say it's going to be a cold, brutal winter. And everybody keeps – and this is the first 30 days I can ever remember in my life that they actually got the forecast right 30 straight days. Crazy. And I got dove hunters coming in, so I'm fixing to get off this and let you boys take it over. Thank you very much for listening. Here, I'm going to let Zach and Andy close you out. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Dive yeah. Bomb, Sea Light, 730. Jeff must have to poop. He's got to poop again. Dive Bomb, Sea Light, 737. William Chris. Go support Garrison those. Brothers. Go support those guys. The season's here. Yeah. If, you're, if you're in the market for a call, 737 will fix you up. I actually just got a... Uh, and you call in yesterday. You love it. Maple. And you yeah, love it. Maple Nitro. Guys, let me tell you. Whew. She runs, huh? Oh, yeah. Good. It's good. And uh, good, good, Fox good. got his, he ordered a duck call. He loves it. Good. And, and I'll, I'll read his text to, to you on the air. This is a, this is a con- consumer. We got a review right here. Yeah. 737. What do you get? Single read? Double read? Yeah, what he got a got? single. Single read. Okay. The number one. Easy to get a little raspy sound. Blows with the sound of a double read, but with the ease of a single. Very impressive. Blows so. with the sound of a double. Yeah, and just, I think he's got, got that, it backwards. Yeah, I think so. But the ease of a double. Sound, he loves sound it. of a single. Very impressive. Very so. very impressive. And I love a nice raspy double. Yeah, and, and they are. They're, I mean, easiest blowing call. So good. Beginner level all the way up. Whatever you need. But anyway, yeah. Thank you to our sponsors. Big shout out. Thank you so much to Boss Shot Shells. Thank you to Brandon and all those guys for jumping on with us and. Hopefully educating a few people. So that's all I got. Follow me on Instagram at Andy underscore Shaver. Follow Zach on Instagram at Zach Shaver 9. Zach Shaver 9. 89 to go, and you're going to get a free hat and a follow back. And an autograph if you want. If you want it, you know, if you're the thousandth guy, uh, just message Zach. Say, hey, why don't you put your John Hancock on there? And and I will. If you don't want it on the cap, I'll do it on a piece of paper. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. (laughs) If you want to pin it to your wall, if if you want him to put that autograph on a piece of paper and pin it to your wall, Totally, totally up to you. We want to make you happy. Uh, yeah, we're going to take off like a rocket once the season opens. So if you're wanting to get on, on some dumb birds, they're going to be uneducated. They're going to have, they'll, they'll have had the, the rule of the roost for over a month down here. And we're going to hit them with a fucking 
load of boss shot shell. Looking forward to it. Thank you for tuning in. That's all I got. Have a wonderful weekend and go pack go.